Radio Pulpit and Radio Cape Pulpit, that is 657 AM and 729 AM with me, Mark Penrith, your host on Friday. Hey, hey, I can't believe it's here already. <laughs> where did the week go? Where did the year go to? Can you believe we are in the eighth month of the year already? I, I mean, it's just incredible. 2022 is going to melt into 2023 at a incredibly fast speed. It's it's almost time to uh, to put up Christmas trees already. Um, when did Christmas trees go up? Actually, I don't have a clue. Uh, you can see I'm not the Christmas tree decorator in the household although I do like to have a Christmas tree Um, the fact that we're speaking about it in August might be a little bit premature but I'm guessing what end of September September October no I guess October Uh, you don't want to hear Christmas carols singing in uh, singing in shopping malls too early else that'll drive you nuts by the time we get to the 25th of December. Um, who am I? You might ask. Let me tell you, I'm the husband of one wife, Liesel. I'm the father of Caitlin, Catherine and Thomas. I'm a pastor at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. Shout out to everyone listening in in Arcadia where we have a campus, Put, where we have another campus, but all over Pretoria whether you're on the east, the south, the north or the west of Pretoria, it's good to be with you this morning. Recognizing that Radio Pulpit has a national footprint. We have people listening in from all over our beautiful country. So whether you are in Krugersdorp or you are in Kronstadt, I'm thinking of another, or you are in the Kruger National Park right now. There you go, three Ks. I'm a Baptist. <laughs> Baptists always speak in threes. Um, so Krugersdorp, Kronstadt, and uh, the Kruger National Park, wherever you are listening in, it is good to be with you this Friday morning. And I recognize that listeners are in various different states of listening to the show. You might be live streaming. You might be listening on your radio in the car or listening on your radio in the house. Uh, You might be um, uh, right now on Facebook uh, listening to the live stream. Uh, It is going out on that channel. However you are listening, it's great to have you with us. Um, Maybe if you are on Facebook at the moment you can drop in a note and uh, say hi uh, and say how you are listening if you're driving in the car please don't text and drive <laughs> pull over to the side and um, if you write on our current live stream on Facebook we will see it in studio you can send us in a whatsapp I'm going to give you all the details for engaging and interacting with us in a moment you can join the conversation this morning which is going to be a live questions and answers questions and answers from God's word I'm looking forward to engaging with you um, you can engage with us by phoning into the studio ah you can't phone into the studio I'm currently on the controls this morning pressing all the buttons and making sure that uh, that that things drive his voicey but he's actually not sitting in front of me this morning he is in our centurion studio making sure that everything runs by remote control so you can't live phone into studio there's no one to answer the call right now but there are other ways that you can join in the conversation this morning and i'm hoping that we are going to have interesting 
questions and answers. The first way is that you can drop a comment on Facebook. That is our Radio Pulpit Radio Console Facebook page. Currently, we're live streaming. If you type in a comment on that, I get to see it right in front of us. If you say hi right now, I will be able to confirm that it is actually working. I do see Pietrus Small was the last person that commented, but I think that was before the show this morning and so that one isn't going to be for this show probably for a previous show um but uh, i'm expecting one or two of the regular listeners to give a shout out say hi and tell us how they are listening the other way that you can engage with us this morning is via whatsapp or telegram the telephone number is wait for it 082-657-2729 I love getting voice notes Love engaging with voices that I can actually listen to And hear the tone and the bass and the emotion in your questions uh, That's always a great way of engaging But you can also send in just a note via WhatsApp and Telegram And then lastly if you're a twit and on Twitter You can tweet at 657am And we will see that um, live as we are speaking to you um, and this morning we are live on 657 AM Radio Pulpit we are live on 729 AM Radio Cape Pulpit we are currently streaming on Facebook Radio Pulpit Radio Console we are on DSTV Channel 882 we are on Open View Channel 607 Ah, I was going to try and see if I could do that in all in one breath, but um, there's too much. <laughs> we are also live streaming on our website, www.radiopulpit.co.za. Folk, wherever you are tuning in, welcome. It's good to be spending Friday morning together with you. Each Friday, we start off the show by really taking a look at the state of our nation, uh, an ongoing and rolling conversation between the church and the state. Uh, we partner uh, in this content uh, with friends of ours from Freedom of Religion South Africa, 4SA for short. They are a legal advocacy organization which works to protect and promote your constitutional right to religious freedom in our beautiful country. And this morning, we're joined by Daniela Elebeck, who is an attorney of the High Court of South Africa. Uh, she serves as a parliamentary liaison. She graduated from Rhodes University and she has specialized in litigation. Daniela, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Morning, Mark. Thank you for the opportunity. It's always a um, privilege to talk to you and your listeners. Now, Daniela, it's not the first time that we've spoken about this, but uh, it looks like we're back in the conversation uh, regarding the ancestral calling uh, in schools, uh, the KwaZulu Department of Education's call uh, for, uh, for abstracts. I, I know that there's been some, some uh, conversation, some litigation, some um, uh, in the past around this. Uh, you, you gave me a frown, so I'm guessing I'm on the wrong track here. But there is a call for ancestral calling in schools. Maybe I'm absolutely not understanding this. So what is happening? Um, and should we be concerned about whatever call to action this is? Um, <clears throat> so Mark, I know there's a lot that goes on in this realm. So um, just to clarify what we're dealing with in this instance. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I know religious freedom is there's a lot going on all the time, and sometimes the issues conflate and can get quite confusing. Sure. So, just to clarify, what we have in this um, situation is we've got a provincial education department. So, um, 
to break it down simply for listeners and viewers, we've got national government, right? So when we think of national government, we think of the National Department of Basic Education yeah. um, with Minister Angie Mutheka. But then also each province has a Department of Basic Education with its own NEC and so forth. Okay. So, and that's that's across the board for every department. We've got national and then we have provincial. So what we're dealing in this instance with is the KwaZulu-Natal's Provincial Department of Edu- Basic Education. And what the Provincial Department of Basic Education um, is planning is to hold an endaba to discuss ways to deal with the impact of ancestral calling on teaching and learning in schools, which sounds very vague. Um, and in advance of this proposed endaba, the department is calling for abstracts. Now, when one thinks of an abstract, this is similar to the preparation process for an academic conference where um, people are saying, okay, look, we're going to have an academic conference on X, Y, and Z, um, the impact of nuclear fusion on the environment or whatever. And um, we would like experts and academics and scientists in this field to send forth an abstract, which must be 400 to 450 um, words only. And they must set out their purpose, their methodology, the results of their research, and their recommendations. So this is what the department is asking for. So it's important to note that this isn't a general call for public comments on, for example, a proposed policy or a proposed law, which we call a bill, um, which I think is where there's been some confusion that's come in because then there have been some WhatsApp messages doing the rounds in this regard. Um, what I can say here to listeners is the Forza website, our Facebook page um, is always a good, reliable source of accurate information. So unless, um, if, you, if you're concerned about the legitimacy or um, accuracy of a WhatsApp message, it's always a good port of call to come to us and just check things out. Um, so it appears that the department has decided to hold this in DARPA. Mark, following several incidents of public schools sending learners home for displaying quote-unquote ancestral calling behavior or wearing Sangoma attire instead of the required school uniform, as well as a situation that made media um, headlines where a young trainee Sangoma took her own life. Now, it's in this context, um, it's important to understand the legal background and how it affects and governs what can and can't happen in our public schools. So it appears the department in Natal is sitting with, okay, we're having these problems with people not accessing the right to basic education because of X, Y, and Z. How do we deal with it? Can experts please give us some ideas? Mm. That's what's happening. And, and and you know what, I, I understand how the confusion happened in my mind because there was um, a court case around the Isi Pantla, um, the wearing of traditional attire. And so I, I read the headline and made that connection. But I can see that this is a, a now a broader conversation that's happening uh, in that area. So, so what is then the the legal background, what type of religious expression or instruction is actually allowed in public schools? So Mark, I'm so glad you brought up the Isipandla matter. And just to differentiate for the listeners there, that has to do with a private school. Now, the Provincial Department of Education works with public schools. Yes, yes. So that's what we're dealing with in this instance. We're dealing with public schools, not private schools. So perhaps um, the starting point to your question is to say that we have human rights in our constitution. Our constitution gives us human rights in the Bill of Rights. 
And these rights attach to us because we're human. Hence, they're called human rights. Mm, mm. So they go with us where we go. Our human right to dignity, to life, all of that goes with us wherever we go. And we don't leave them behind when we close our front door in the morning. And our constitution also recognizes that we live in a diverse society where there must be space for everyone to practice their religious beliefs, um, including in public schools. So we have the right to religious freedom in our constitution. It's a human right. It attaches to Mark and Daniela where Mark and Daniela go. We don't leave it behind when we walk into work or in the town square or into spa or wherever in the morning. It goes with us where we go and we should be allowed to live out our religious beliefs in public. Now, the Ogard Court case has already established that religious observances and activities such as prayer, worship, scripture readings, and so forth, are allowed to take place in public schools. Because again, learners have human rights. They take them with them into public spaces, such as public schools. And this includes their right to religious freedom. Um, However, the court did say that this can only take place in terms of a religious policy that is formulated by the school governing body, which Mm. is good news because the school governing body is made up of parents, teachers, and learners from that specific school community. So what a religious policy in the Karoo in a small town with a public school is going to look like that is a 99.9% Christian and everyone goes to the same church in town, it's going to look different to how it's going to look in a more urban area where perhaps, you know, 60% of the learners are Muslim, uh, 20% are Hindu, and 20% are Jewish, um, for example. So... It's for every school governing body to hash out what it would look like in that school, taking into account the school's demographics. And of course, demographics change over time. So even, you know, in the same school, you might have to update and change the religious policy. And what's also important um, that the court pointed out in God is that all these are religious observances in public schools. They are allowed, but they also have to be free and voluntary. So you can't, for example require that the Christians attend a Hindu religious ceremony in public schools or an African traditional ancestral worship ceremony. You can't um, make it mandatory. It needs to be free and voluntary and people need to be able to decide if they want to go or not. And lastly, um, they also said that in terms of the religious policy and religious observances, this also needs to happen on an equitable base, equitable, sorry, yeah. equitable basis. Um, And this basically means just treating everyone even-handedly and fairly. So it doesn't mean equal. It doesn't mean that if you have a learner makeup of 70% the one faith and 30% the other faith, that they need equal time in assembly. It doesn't mean that. Equitable simply means that you must treat them fairly um, and with equal respect. So... Um, again, what this religious policy in public schools looks like will vary from school to school, but I think the take-home for listeners is religious observances are allowed in public schools, and everyone takes their right to religious freedom with them into public schools, and they're allowed to um, manifest their beliefs in the open in public, which is good news for us, because, I mean, as Christians, we want to be able to have the law say we can take our beliefs into the public square and manifest our beliefs. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, it has practical relevance <clears throat> in each one of our lives. So so then what about the wearing of religious traditional dresses and such like in public schools? 
So actually, Mark, um, on this question, we already have a Concord case out from a few years ago, um, which also ironically took place in um, KwaZulu-Natal, where the department's now planning on holding this in Daba. And this is the case of Pele. Now, in this case, the Concord ruled that a young Hindu learner in a public school um, where she was told she needs to remove her nose stud um, had been unfairly discriminated against um, because of her religious and cultural identity. And the legal principle that came out of that case is that the school had an obligation to reasonably accommodate her. Because again, we're dealing with a public school. Yes. Not with a um, private school. And the school ha- had to reasonably accommodate her. And it wasn't un- like an undue difficult- difficulty, pardon, um, falling over my words on this Friday morning, <laughs> uh, for the school to say, okay, look, part of her faith and culture is that she wears a nose stud now that she's come of age. It's not going to ruin the entire school uniform and send the school into chaos. Um, It's not an undue difficulty on the school, and the school had a um, a legal duty to reasonably accommodate her. Now, in the words of the court, for example, um, as a general rule, the more learners feel free to express their religions and their cultures in schools, the closer we will come to the society that's envisioned by the Constitution, um, where the display of religion and culture in public is not and I quote the court, a parade of horribles, but a pageant of diversity. And how beautiful is that? Um, I mean, that that's what the Constitution envisions, is that each of us should be free to take our religion and our culture into the public realm and live it out, which, again, is good news for Christians, because we want to be able to take our Christian beliefs out into the public realm. We want to be able to live according to our beliefs in the public realm and tell other people about Jesus. Mm, mm. So I've been listening um, to an ongoing conversation that's largely happening in the United States um, around education and around what can be taught in schools. And they're particularly concerned around comprehensive sexual yeah sorry thank you um and 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 what actually happens in the context of local schools now i i'm just putting that together so there so these concerns parents are rightly concerned what their children are taught on the one hand but but on the on the other hand um we don't live in the, as in the united states in a in a secular society we we live in a society which acknowledges this this intrinsic right that we have to religious freedom um which means that south africa works and operates on a on a slightly different mode when it comes particularly to to what can be taught um, what can be observed what can be instructed in public schools on the religious side I, I think I complicated the question a little bit by by talking about comprehensive sexual instruction and and education um, uh, 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 that might be a conversation for next week or a, a da- an, another day but in terms of religious instruction what is actually allowed in South African schools because because my understanding is we we are allowed to um, to talk to children 
around uh, matters of faith and um, we're allowed to have you know the bible read in assemblies we we are allowed to have a student christian association meeting happening during first break or after school or however it might be uh, these are matters that 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 are that are open within the context of the south african schooling system and um, but with some qualifications some of which you've actually already mentioned as we've been talking about school governing bodies Right, so Mark, um, seeing as you mentioned CSE, let's perhaps just handle that because I suspect now, and shame the poor listeners can't phone in this morning. <laughs> I, suspect, I suspect there's so many questions on that. Just quickly on CSE before sure. I get to your question. Um, CSE in South Africa, um, it is part of our CAPS curriculum in public schools. Yes. That being said, because school governing bodies are an institution that is unique um, to South Africa in comparison with America, mm. school governing bodies have a say in what materials to use. So there's different CSE content out there. And a lot of it, there's been a lot of work done by some really great people to actually have um, content that aligns to conservative religious beliefs and isn't explicit and isn't gonna sexualize children. That's safe content. And the wonderful thing about school governing bodies is they get to choose the books. Yes. So they can choose the safe, good content, uh, <clears throat> or they can choose the um, more explicit, radical content, which is a wonderful privilege, I think, as parents, because again, parents sit on the school governing body, and which is why I'm always such a proponent of um, if you are a Christian parent in a public school, that you run for the school governing body elections because they only happen every three years. And you have such a wide um, influence because, I mean, we just spoke about the religious policy, yes. which you'll be drafting and implementing. Um, now we're speaking about content, which for life skills and life orientation subjects in the, in the CAPS curriculum includes CSE. So you can choose which books are out there, um, or rather you can choose which books to use from the books that are out there. Yes. So as a parent, please run for the school governing body, um, or at least pray about it. Yes. Because <clears throat> it's so important. And, and be involved in the election process, because um, there might be a great candidate who's running for the school governing body, um, but... But at the end of the day, as parents come together, a candidate is elected. Uh, it's not a, it's not a, you, you don't just put up your hand and, and kind of walk into the role. Um, there, there's a process involved. Yes, exactly. You need to, there's only elections every three years um, and you need to run and be elected for it. So, I mean, and it's not just one parent on the school governing body, there's a number. So... I would highly encourage every parent to please consider it. I think the next school governing body elections are happening next year in March. I can check quickly while we're while we're doing the interview. Um, but just turning to your other question. Yes, what type of religious instruction is allowed in public schools? So in public schools, um, we have religious education and religious instruction. Now, the religious education is part of the CAPS curriculum, again, part of the life orientation and life skills subjects. And it's merely information about religions, religious diversity, and so forth. So it's not, it's a general overview of, the, of, of, of religions. It's not gonna go into 
um, any religious teaching. It's going to be like, okay, these are the religions we have in South Africa. You know, that's kind of what it is. Okay. Now, on the other hand, religious instruction, for example, Mark, would be when you and a team go into a school and you preach the gospel and you explain to them the what Christianity is all about. And a good way of differentiating between the two is that religious instruction um, is aimed at teaching children a particular set of beliefs. So you're not giving them a snapshot general overview of, look, these are the different faiths in the country. You're, you're trying to get them to, you're, you're inculcating them in a particular set of beliefs. So another example would be Sunday school. Mm. Um, now, religious instruction can take place in public schools, but again, it needs to take place in terms of the religious policy that's formulated by the school governing body. So there's absolutely no problem with a public school inviting you and a team to come to school to talk to the learners. But it needs to happen in terms of the school's religious policy that the parents have drafted. Yes. It needs to happen in terms of uh, the fact that learners are free um, to choose whether or not they want to attend it. So it's free and voluntary. Um, and it needs to not happen in school time because, again, or in class time, because, again, this is not a subject. Yes. It is on top of that where learners can choose where to go. Like this Does that is a, make sense? Yeah, it's a first break or an outside of school time activity. Um, D- mm. Daniela, I mean, obviously so much going on, um, so much conversation around uh, both um, the, this call by the uh, KwaZulu-Natal um, I'm going. I'm saying this right. It's the it's the lo- not local government. It's the KwaZulu Natal provincial government uh, for the conversation. Um, how is FOSA involved in this? How how you how have you taken up this matter? So, Mark, um, obviously the call for abstracts ha- went out. Um, they closed on Wednesday this week uh, for listeners who are interested. So, I mean, immediately we liaise to several academics um, who are familiar with cultural and religious rights, <clears throat> as well as the right to basic education, and alerted them to this opportunity to submit an abstract by Wednesday this week, which was Wednesday the 10th. And on top of that, we've also been liaising with the KwaZulu-Natal Provincial Education Department um, and asking them to formally provide the reasons why they want to hold this in Darba, because, I mean, at the moment, we're going off what's in the media and um, conclusions based on that. So one never wants to assume anything, and especially in the legal field. So let's get it on record why they want to hold this in Darba, when they're planning on holding it, what they hope to achieve by it. For example, they're going to draft a green paper, or a, um, you know, guideline, what are they aiming to achieve? And um, we've already spoken to them. They're aware um, that we've asked them these questions and they've asked just for patience as they're working through the inundation of emails to get back to us. So we have been in telephonic contact with them regularly um, and we will continue to liaise with them on this matter and we'll keep the public aware of any developments. Mark, and just quickly to go back to the SGB elections, March 2024. It's not March next year, March the year after. Yes, yes. I also actually looked that up. Uh, I think the last elections were in March, April 2021. So that makes sense, March 2024. But that doesn't mean that people can't start at least thinking about these things and mobilizing folk around them because it does end up being an election. Um, and uh, and you, you know... I, 
do look forward to hearing uh, that folk even that listen to this station and that listen to this program in particular are interested in in running for their school governing bodies in order to effect positive change uh, right where they're at. Um, I, I know that August is a big month for 4SA. I also know that you guys have a virtual roadshow coming up. I, I'm I'm excited about that. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Michael in person again uh, as you guys hit Gauteng. Um How does how does the virtual roadshow work? How do people know dates and times and locations that you guys are going to be at? And uh, maybe when you're in Gauteng, are you guys going to come in and speak to me on a Friday so that we can talk to the nation uh, on a on a bigger platform in terms of how these things work? It's a virtual roadshow. Oh, no, that's so disappointing. You're not going to be in Gauteng. You're going to be like in Cape Town with the glorious sun in the mountain behind you talking about these things on video. <laughs> glorious sun in the mountain. I just want to say that we have, we have perfectly, perfectly horrid Cape Townian winter weather. Oh, really? Windy. Um, uh, today, in this 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 twelfth of August, Summer's Mark, coming. I had Summer's a bit of a coming. chuckle there. I mean, I know I know it's a Friday morning and it's the Friday after a long weekend, and both of us have been falling over our words this morning. So I apologise. I've had one. I've had one cup of coffee all day long. <laughs> <laughs> I just upgraded um, your yes, virtual roadshow to a physical one, just like that. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, if people wanted to give us funding to come and talk to them, we're more than able to do that. We are a non-profit, so unfortunately it does have to be a virtual roadshow. We're entirely, you know, reliant on donations. I get that. That's another story. So, but people are welcome, um, you know, to book us a plane ticket to go and talk to them. Um, actually, I have a speaking engagement in Gauteng at the end of the month where um, a church group has done exactly that because they were like, as leaders, we actually need to be equipped to understand what religious freedoms issues we're facing yes. so that we can continue to preach the gospel and do the work we do in the kingdom and also equip our saints to do the same. So we are able and willing, more than willing, to um, travel anywhere in the country to go and talk to people. But this will be a virtual roadshow, which means it will take place via Zoom. Okay. I'll, I can <laughs> I can make this one. You I can, can dial in from... From Siekwichat, somewhere in the middle of the and attend. Is, is that a real place or, or did you just make that up? No, it's a real place, I think. Okay. I, clearly, tourist destination, a place that I need to go and visit at some stage. Um, no, shame. Actually, I'm aware of it because of some basic education department fiascos that are happening. On oh, there. shame. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway... But um, so we're doing a virtual roadshow on Tuesday, the 23rd of August. So um, I believe that that is the second last Tuesday of the month. It is. And it will be from 7 to 8.30 p.m. So it's only going to be an hour and a half. And we decided on 7 o'clock because it allows parents to get the kids from school, feed everyone, bath everyone, get them in bed, or at least get them busy doing homework um, so that you can actually attend this. Um, because it's so important. We're going to be giving um, important updates on various religious freedom issues which affect people personally and which they need to know about. And because this is so important, registration is free. However, Zoom only allows us a certain number of people. Um, mm. So please go to our website at www.forsa.org.za. So F-O-R-S-A, Freedom of Religion South Africa, forsa.org.za um, to book your seat for this event before people run out of space. 
which is, I believe, what happened last year. So Okay, e- excellent. Look, I've put it on my to-do list. I will go and do that myself uh, after the show this morning. So I'm encouraging listeners to get in on that. Um, it, it might not be the kind of show that you need to sit in personally, listener, um, but it might be the kind of show that your pastor really should be sitting in so that he has an idea of what's happening in the country. Um, and so I would encourage you to get the details. You can find them on the 4SA website and pass them on to your pastor and encourage him um, to uh, be at the virtual uh, roadshow in order to understand what's going on in terms of all the issues that are happening around the country. Daniela, I'm hoping uh, during the roadshow, is there going to be a time for questions and answers? I, I imagine that there might yes. be. <laughs> great stuff. So, so definitely a great opportunity for pastors <coughs> and pastoral teams to understand what's happening um, from a team of experts who spend a lot of time uh, uh, thinking around issues of religious freedom in South Africa. Daniela, as always, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been great to talk to you and uh, look forward to chatting to you or to Michael next week. Fantastic. Mark, yes. Um, I believe Michael might still be away. He's currently, he was invited to attend an international conference. Um, So he might still be away, but um, if he is, I am very happy to talk to you and your listeners. And Mark, um, in all um, in all honesty, if you want to invite us to talk to you and your church and your leadership about religious freedom issues, which basically is your right to live out your belief publicly, yes, um, more than happy and open to do it. Great Didn't stuff. need to put a damper on it by saying we're doing a virtual roadshow. <laughs> no, no, no. I get that. Thank you very much, and uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, putting out an invite to you guys thanks Daniela for your time really appreciate it